Five, four, three, three two, two, one. <laughs> that was that was flawless. That was flawless. Thank you very much for that flawless countdown into this flawless podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Adam and Gibbs's weekly one-on-one. We call it the Mosby Learning Podcast. Here, uh, we are just hoping. Just that this thing holds together for the next little while, and and we cover a few different topics that might be of interest to you. My name is Dan Hurt. I'm calling in from Mississauga, Ontario. Sure, Dan, and I'm Adam Kostnicks, and I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas. Uh, Cynthia Gibbs from Dallas, Texas. Dallas, weren't you in Doubletree before? Has this changed? Did you no. move? No, it's never at the Doubletree Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have fresh cookies? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are uh, we're here to talk about a few different things. Uh, oh, the first thing that I did want to touch on is where you're going to find show notes for this. It's going to be mosby.ca slash 009. I had a question come up the other day as to why the 00. I think that might have been one of you guys uh, that asked why the 00. <laughs> I it don't wasn't know. I one just... of many of our listeners. No, we have the legions, one of our legions of fans, the, the Mosby army. Uh, no, <laughs> the, uh, um, I don't know. I just assume that, you know, once we're, we're going to hit at least 999 of these and then we'll worry about the rollover. It's like the Y2K sort of issue. So we'll worry about that in uh, what is that going to be about 45 years? Something like that. Um so, mosby.ca slash 009. And if you have a question, actually, I want to ask if you're, if this, if, if we're the sound coming into your ears, uh, fire us an email at mosbylearning at gmail.com. Uh, fire us off an email there. Let us know how you're accessing this because we've got the, uh, we've got the feed going at a bunch of different places. And it would be great to hear how you guys are getting it. Or if you're not in one of the big two, sort of, if you're not in the Apple camp, Apple camp or the, uh, the Google podcast camp, which camp are you in? What are you using to listen to us? So, uh, please check that out. Um, how are you guys doing? Uh, Gibbs, how are you doing today? Uh, I was just in the middle of a yawn, so. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're sweepy. We got a sweepy Gibbs. Sweepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, you, well, you're you're baking cookies. That's good, um, Mr. Costics. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Just uh, probably like Gibbs, we were in back to back meetings just about all day, so it was a pretty exhausting yeah. day. And then you know coming home. So, well, we we will just exhaust you a little while a little further while. here. Yes. You done messed up, Aaron. Uh, the first thing. Okay, so uh, there's there's a section that I want to add to this a new segment called "You Done Messed Up," where we can add any sort of corrections or things that maybe were pertinent to the story that we omitted in the first round or the first act. And in the last episode, there was a little talk about social media, how I had backpedaled off of there. I had a, a dear friend of mine reach out. He's one of our three listeners, uh, and he took uh, quite a bit of offense at that because he uh, he did start the "I'm bailing on social media" bandwagon, which I just jumped on top of as well. But, um, you know, I think of the three of us, where are we socially on social media? Uh, just Facebook and LinkedIn. Facebook and LinkedIn, Adam. LinkedIn, and then I use Twitter to for news. I, I don't really post anything on Twitter. Um, you know, my nine followers do clamor for when I do post something occasionally. Well, yeah. I, I am yeah. very heavy-handed with the like button on it so there's a lot of people watching that one but no twitter and linkedin and then uh i'm gonna make my foray into tiktok here pretty shortly 
Ooh. Yeah, you keep threatening that. I, I, man, I was talking to a colleague of mine at work, uh, and and asked if she's on the TikToks, and she, uh, she, she's from India, and she said it's actually it's bad news. It's a bad situation in India. It's just something to avoid. Um, and you know what? I'm taking a note out of her page because uh, I'm avoiding it here too. There's, uh, I don't know. It just seems crazy. It seems crazy. Kids today. It, it feels easier to say kids today as my time goes on, but uh, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> you old man. All right. No, actually, one other social media thing that I, I am on that I, I do get into and kind of read, I try not to post because it's it's kind of scary. It's this app called uh, Nextdoor, and it's your uh-huh. I'm on that community. Too. And yeah, it's a social media, and it kind of shows just how bad social media can get. I mean, there's shaming that happens when people run a stop sign, and there's people... You turned right when you were dropping off your kid at school. And I mean, it just shows you how bad it is. So I kind of watch it, watch that for the entertainment purposes more than anything, but it's still a social app. So kind of everybody loves a train wreck. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, very good. Okay, so uh, let, let's move right along after the uh, the single correction and omission we had there. But uh, a couple things that I wanted to just get out of the way real, real quick as far as things mildly related. And one of them is I just saw an article the other day. CBC is our state-sponsored media, um, our, our, our national broadcaster of record. And they had an article the other day about Ontario schools banning the use of cell phones more or less uh, for kids. Now, the only and, and, you know, it's it's obviously education related. Now, we're not a, a strictly speaking education podcast, but there's there's a hell of a lot of overlap. Right. And the thing that is noteworthy, I think, is, um, well, that they're trying it at all. I, I don't know how it's going to go. How would you if you guys had a new hire class, of course, there are different audiences. And I know that. <laughs> but if you if you had a new hire class, how comfortable would you feel having them like put their phones away like just putting a blanket rule out there do you guys have a rule like that well because i've been training forever yes we used to years and years ago um i mean to the point too where it used to be pagers yeah yeah well you know that actually sparks a whole debate about what people are doing in comedy clubs and so for some concerts Mm. also they're making you lock it up so if you go to see like dave chappelle to enter the arena you actually have to lock your cell phone which is pretty crazy so it does happen um to piggyback though off the schools we have friends that we had a big conversation with about this their kids don't have a smartphone they literally have one of those old phones um that only calls i guess it's a new phone but it's old technology and it only calls 10 numbers and those numbers are pre-programmed by their parents so they allow their kid to have that phone because it will call mom dad grandma grandpa and then you know a couple other people and that's it and that was one of their big things of the kids don't need a smartphone but they need to have some type of communication i thought that was a good workaround yeah, you you think so. And I mean, it, it feels like they, they do need to have some sort of communication. But do they? Do they? I mean, like I, when I was when I was 12 years old, I would. And, oh, geez. <laughs> it wasn't uphill, but I would ride my bike uh, in the summer or months. I would ride my bike about four kilometers. So what's that like two and a half miles to uh, to the school in uh, that I that I went to as a kid. And I was 12 and I, I biked there on the highway. I biked back on the highway. I didn't oh have a God. cell phone. Yeah. So you know what I mean. So like what happened? But, you know, but we didn't know about. Well, wait, that was only a few years ago for you. So 
you just say have yeah, a sofa? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Jessica and I were talking the other night, Jessica, for those who don't know, is my wife. We were talking about this article that came out and... Yeah, your wife, not my wife, because yeah, my wife's also named Jessica. Jessica. Yours, Jessica. Not my it's wife. Very confusing. It gets really Definitely confusing. Definitely not my wife. <laughs> well, it's really weird, Not that there's anything because, wrong with that. Because the conversation a lot of times is like, my Jess or your Jess? Which Jessica? Yeah. Anyway. Um, there's an article that just came out about screen time and... Children between ages, I just pulled it out, 8 and 12, are not far behind. Mm-hmm. They tally four hours and 36 minutes of daily screen time, and that's not including not including school time. Four Jesus, hours what, and 36 minutes. Like, what time minutes. is left? What's left? Yeah. Six hours and 40 minutes for the average teenager in front of screen, and that's TV, computer, smartphone, or tablet, not including school time. Oof. Which means they're basically Oof. on their phone the entire time. After school, yeah. before school. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Gibbs, what, what, you, you're trying to jump in there. What do you got? I was just going to say, I don't have a wife and her name's not Jess. Um, <laughs> Jelly? <laughs> yeah, um, the bomb. <laughs> so, um, well, with regards to cell, right now with me, I mean, my, my child has had a phone since fourth or fifth grade, but I am one of the fortunate ones where he's not big on his phone like there were a long time in middle school where we had to keep pushing him to make sure he remembered his phone to make sure Mm. he he plugged in his phone and all of those things simply because he just wasn't into it but our big thing was if we needed to reach him especially in middle school we needed him to have it um and now that he's older and in high school he's starting and because of the extracurricular activities that he's in Without that phone, we wouldn't know half the time what's happening because um, his band directors and everything use their phones to text them to say where to meet, where to go, what's happening, etc. You know, uh, here in Dallas, we have tornadoes and we actually had a couple warnings the last couple months. And so his director would be texting all of the parents saying, we're safe, we're fine, we're in the evacuation area in the school, don't worry, kind of thing. So, mm. you know, so that's important. And just this year, just this year, and my son has had a phone for, what, four or five years now, is what now that he's finally starting to use it. Um, but Interesting. Yeah, so he – but. But at the same time, he comes home and he's immediately on, you know, doing other things, not social media, mm. but he's on yeah. screen. Yeah, gaming or something. Screen mm-hmm. all the time. I think it's, I think it's yeah. horrible, though, because I, I will tell you, we watch our kids and we'll give them five minutes of screen time before school. They just get your stuff done and you get five minutes before. And mm-hmm. it's like crack. They turn, it turns yeah. on and they're just like moss to a flame. And you're like, hey, hey, get your shoes on. And they just. They totally don't pay attention. So we do no screen yeah, time at I, night well, or we'll do five minutes at night just, you know, right before. But we don't let them watch TV. We, don't, we actually don't watch TV, but they'll watch except on the weekends. And they literally are moss to a flame. If the TV comes on, they're just like, stop what you're doing and watch it. And I'm like, why are you watching a commercial? It's, it's, yeah. it's just mindless entertainment. So I think that's what happens in the phones, too. So long story well, short, Dan, I agree. Here's the interesting thing. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing, though, is um, I don't know about your school districts, but my child has had an iPad since third grade, and all mm. textbooks are gone. He yeah, has this is no a textbooks. questionable practice. And then on top of that, you know, uh, the way 
our school district works is um, they allow and they allow the kids to use their cell phones to listen to music mm. when they're in class to get their work done. And they also allow it to be where um, if they get their work done, they're allowed to watch YouTube videos, etc. Um, that's acceptable content, obviously, because it's a school iPad if their work's done. So they can use the school-provided iPad to listen to music? Well, they can use their cell phones to listen to music. They can use their cell phone. Okay, but why wouldn't they just use their cell phones to watch YouTube? uh, They can do that also. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, So who's watching to make sure it's approved content? Nobody. And here's the thing, too, is, um, you know, like I said, my son hasn't brought home a textbook since, I think, fifth grade. Are you serious? Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. What's happening? Interesting. Yep. I think we need to get the Mosby Learning Podcast onto YouTube and start having educational things for these kids. <laughs> that's you know, that's how you get to market right market. there. You just push yeah. the podcast, tell all your friends at the high school level, it's going to it's mm-hmm. blow up. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, then, there, you know what? There's there's a great school around the corner. I'm just going to start hanging out there <laughs> and, and, and talking to those kids as they come learning, out of school. Mosby Learning, right? Yeah, put it in front of them. That, they'll consume the content. Well, and, and well, in your school district... Um, Adam, do do the older kids have tablets? Or? Yeah, they they have they uh-huh. have screen time. They have these things called uh, I think I believe it's called a web desk, and they get okay. into it. And my my daughter's always like, I'm playing a video game. I'm like, you could stay home and play a video game. I mm. I guess I feel. And, yeah. and I'm, in, I'm not paying for you to play a video yeah, game. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I am actually a little bit against it. I know it's quote unquote learning, but I think it's kind of bullshit, right? Like if you're just playing a video game, I play the game not to learn it's kind of like like a lot of e-learning designers right they they create this e-learning it's pretty crappy and i figure out a way to beat their game not learn the content and so, so is that your excuse for fortnite <laughs> don't you hate on fortnite it's fantastic <laughs> it's my excuse of how i get through compliance training i'm not really looking through stuff to learn i'm really just trying to get past the game and so i think if Half that content. I didn't know I there were analyzed. games in our yeah. compliance training. What, no, was, what if I? I've been going to the wrong training. Uh-huh. Gibbs, why do you think I left Caliber? Come on. Because <laughs> there's games? Because there's it's games hot... and compliance? Yeah. yeah, there's not enough games. That's what I said. <laughs> All right. Um, so w- moving on, that was supposed to be a fast piece uh, there, folks. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, lightning round, a little less so. A slow-moving storm here, <laughs> a rolling thunder. But uh, the next thing I wanted to touch on was just that November. So we're in November. Two things. One uh, being in Canada, we have uh, we have Remembrance Day, November 11th for you know fallen uh, fallen soldiers of the past. Um, so that's you know a bit of a hmm, somber moment. Moving right along though, um, just just you know calling attention to it, not to not to demean in any way, of course, uh, the utmost respect. Uh, uh, and the the phrase that you see, and it's on the buses as they go by, less we forget but um uh, something else and if you were so inspired by remembrance day you could write about it november is also national novel writing month so i don't know if there's anybody that listens to this that uh, takes part in that i've done it a couple times now it is a uh, it's an intense program it's it's a terrific experience a lot of value out of it and the the punchline is you have to try to crank out fifty thousand words in the month of november uh, towards presumably a story of sorts. 
Um, like I say, I've done it two times and it is a freaking slog because it's about 1,665 words a day uh, on average for you to hit 50,000 uh, words by the end of the month. And it's not easy, but like I say, it's very doable. So I have a question uh, on that. Um, so when you're doing that, are you editing or is it one of those things where you just sit down and write, get to 1,600 and you're done? Yeah, more the second one. Okay. Now, one of my problems is I, I, I dip my toe in the first quite a bit, yeah. and I'm like, oh, shit, I want to rewrite that sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, or or just, I, like, I stop for spelling errors, and when you're a terrible speller and a bad typer, there's a lot of those. So I probably could have did, I probably could have did it in half the time if I was proficient at those sort of things. Gotcha. But, um, yeah, you just try to, it's just like, a, the whole thing's a vomit pass. You just try to get everything out as quick as possible. Okay. But uh, the the reason I brought it up, there's actually something that I saw the other day. I can't remember if it was Gary V related. If you don't know Gary Vaynerchuk, we talked about him before. He is a character. He's a social media guy, puts out a ton of content, but he had something up that was along the lines of you got to just create content to find the good pieces. Jerry Seinfeld had a thing where he, um, the idea was don't break the chain. And he tried to write every single day and, you know, he would draw a circle around the day that he wrote. And the idea was you have a chain and you just keep trying to write to make, to reinforce the chain and just through the sheer volume volume that you produce you will find real strong content and um i i mean that's that's the nanorimo is a perfect example of that because you write fifty thousand words in the period of a month and there's a good chance like forty seven thousand are garbage but there's some there's a few things in there that are real real cool uh experiences or or, or valuable phrases or ideas or something you're gonna pull something out of it you know it's interesting so that, you- that oh god yes so, do you write those fifty thousand words in your field notebooks? No, they would not fit it, and, and it's it's a t- actually I didn't even type them half the time. Uh, I would use uh, speech to text. Oh, that that's was, not that, writing. That doesn't work. It, oh well, it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Shut up, both of you. That's it, not real hey, screw writing. you guys, man. <laughs> I tried. I tried to do that for performance reviews, and it just was horrible. It just did not work. So, and that's not real writing. That's just talking what do you mean out it's not loud. Real writing. What do I got to use a, 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 a scroll and quill to, to make it writing? What are, you, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. I don't know what the hell you're talking yeah. about. Hey, speaking of real writing, ladies and gentlemen, I wrote a poem. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah. <laughs> Buckle up for Here this. Here we go. Gem. Speaking yeah. of gems. Uh, so, okay. Is this so in haiku format or are we doing... No, it's not a haiku. I do love haikus. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know about me and my adoration of haikus, um, the, the, the reason I love haikus is because they're not easy. A haiku, and this is not a haiku, but... And, and I would actually force some of my training participants to write haikus. They had a choice, actually, and more often than not, they went with the haiku because the other one was they had to rewrite lyrics to a song. Um, but the idea is you have to think about something with enough care to put it into the format. And and by doing that, it's a little bit easier to remember or, or it makes it more memorable. And uh, so a haiku is 17 syllables. It's three lines, five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. And it's not easy. So are you trying um, to say you wrote a haiku because you're great at it? No, I, I well, I did write a couple haikus, <laughs> but it's not because I'm great at it. They were both hard. Yes, Actually, this poem. Yes, finally, this, which is Dan's a, not great. Oh, no, well, 
I'm still pretty great. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the reason. Why did I write this? I, I was I was actually doing some work in PowerPoint the other day, and my go-to thing in PowerPoint is the rounded corner uh, rectangle, the rounded corner rectangle, because it's so freaking versatile. It's like a multi-tool out there. And I thought, this thing is so great. I need to put into words how great it is. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself for um, for a, a moment of poetry here. Uh, a rounded corner rectangle, much more than just selectable. Your PowerPoint agility shows off shape flexibility. An amateur might find you there. Assume you're just a dull square. Just a place for words to go. Your complex ways they do not know. Tall or wide. You know no bounds, with corners tight or sleek and round. Minuscule little handle, potential, like a spray paint vandal. Pull it out to make a square all the way in a circle there. Copy, paste, a stack of cards. Or edit points for scrapyard cars. Like no other in the ribbon, give much more than you are given. Far too long that you have waited no more, be uncelebrated. Thank you, Shape, for all you do. When I need love, I insert you. That's uh, <laughs> that's my poem, and you can both go to hell. <laughs> I wrote that on the bus. So that shut was up. like a monologue from Shakespeare. It, it was, was so well, poetic. You know, very so uh, yeah, I, I think we agree that I'm great at poems. I I just won <laughs> that poem. You won the poem. Yes, you did. You you crushed the poem. I crushed it. The last yes. line was the best. When I, <laughs> I love, I insert you. I, that, okay, maybe not my best work, but it's not bad. So the, all right. So this was so, we, we, we just let's go back oh, just a second here. I thought we're gonna move right along. Well, I kind of want to know about the shape that you're using all the time. So let's talk about that. So you're using the rounded the square, corner rectangle. Rounded corner rectangle. So where are you using yeah. that in PowerPoint? For what? For literally everything. <laughs> it's like me and bevels. <laughs> are you beveling everything or? Uh, well, no, out. because they're rounded corners. I mean, it, it, it's it's I use it for text boxes mm -hmm. um, because you have more flexibility with it. I use it for just creating other shapes. You know, you use your merge, uh, the merge mm -hmm. shapes menu to create different shapes. And then the uh, edit points, man, once you start down the path of edit points, your world just changes completely. You can make any damn thing you want. Uh, so I, I use I literally that's my default shape. If I need something, I put that. And if it doesn't work um i don't do that thing <laughs> that's, that's i just don't do it <laughs> yes. and because you have a yeah. great poem about that one shape but well, no. yeah now i gotta double down yes that merge double shapes is pretty impressive um that's a fantastic tool that a lot of people don't know yeah. about yeah we'll talk about that i'll write a poem about that for oh, next week looking forward actually to i have i have a different one um different one for next week already but it's a little long now i'm, I'm feeling like they're long uh, speaking of getting too long here, let's jump into the next segment. And Adam, you, you had, you actually brought something to, it was very nice of you to bring something to the table this week. Wow. Appreciate um, that. <laughs> zing. Um, what, so what's, what's the deal? What do you want to talk about? Why do you want to talk about it sure, also? Right? And yeah. are, are we going to just collectively write Gibbs's performance review right yes, now? Yes. And that's what I was going to say. Gibbs, Gibbs needs to be careful with how she laughs. And that's what I was going to be bringing up today is, is talking about performance reviews and, and really wanted to get your guys' opinions on a couple of things, um, about the process in general, the value they bring, the time 
spent on them. And you, you guys, you know, you guys both, um, we all work together, right? And so I'm curious about your thoughts on just the performance review, the historical normal performance review process that we still have in banking, which for those that don't know is that archaic type of system where we do self-performance reviews, then the manager goes back, then we calibrate, then we deliver the performance review, and it's sort of semi-tied, not really tied to bonus structure or even raises. And so hmm. right now, and that's why I said, be careful, Gibbs, how much you laugh at that, because I'm currently <laughs> writing performance reviews for the team. And, but you um, said mine's done, so no changing, no going back. <laughs> and we can review yeah. that here shortly. Um, but... I wanted to get your guys' opinion on it and then also talk about an article that I read from uh, Liz Ryan. And Liz Ryan is founder and CEO of Human Workplace. Uh, she's an author of Reinvention Roadmap. And she published an article in Forbes about performance reviews, why they're pointless, and they're insulting. So why do they still exist? So before we kind of dive into that article, I want to get your guys' opinion as what do you guys think of performance reviews? Are they motivating? What do you think? Let's start with the first part, self-assessments. What do you guys think of self-assessments? Mrs. Gibbs, why don't you go ahead? Um, I, when they first came out years ago, it made sense, but I think in certain areas, it, when it gets hard is for me, for a couple things is, when you're in a production center, it makes more sense. It's much easier to measure mm -hmm. and to be more objective with it. And they're much easier to write, right? Because you either, and um, when I used to manage a call center, et cetera, it was very set out of here are your goals. Um, here's what you need to meet. Uh, here's the range you need to get to meet, get meets expectations. Here's the range you need to get exceeds. Here's the range you need to get outstanding or below. And so it was very, very obvious. It was based on numbers because it was productivity and it was quick and easy to write. And there was no question, right? There was no mm -hmm. question about where that person was really at. Where it gets harder is obviously in a group like ours where it's much more subjective, Right. And where it gets even harder is when like I do believe in that your goal should be based on uh, be cascaded down from, you know, the overall company goals. But if it's not done precisely and cor correctly based on your role and how it reaches it, it becomes very generic. And, it be, mm -hmm. and it's like, and, and, you know, and there's been several times since, especially since I've been in, in L&D for so long, where it's like, I don't even know what this goal is mm -hmm. or says. How do I even relate to my job to that? Um, and, and there's been times, honestly, where I'm like, how in the heck did I get and exceeds expectations when I don't even understand this goal? I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing, and yet I got rated as exceeds or meets when I can't even explain it myself. And that's, I and so I probably have a harder time with performance reviews from a that kind of standpoint than from a productivity standpoint, um, kind of thing. Fair enough. I agree. I think you know one of the big things I, I think is big challenge. You know we've talked uh, in one of the previous episodes about how things are changing faster than ever, and I think that's across a lot of industries. 
maybe not every industry, but what we set out in goals, Ian, even if we recalibrate them mid-year, a lot of what I know we were doing mid-year is totally different than what we're doing in the end of the year, or the beginning of the year was totally different than the beginning of the year. And those goals generally don't adapt to the work that's being done at the time. And so you're looking back at a goal that was set with a priority going into 2020, and now we're kind of still talking about that goal when we're working on something totally different. Dan, what's well, been your experience? Oh, go ahead. And really, the point is, is we set these goals in mid-year. You're supposed to reset the goals if the if the yeah. way has changed, Priorities but that doesn't change. happen. That doesn't right. happen at all. Um, and I think it's part of it is because no one really understands what the goal is in the first place. Mm -hmm. It just goes. It just goes because business is constantly <laughs> evolving, and goals can change from a day to day to week to week to hell, sometimes hour to hour, sometimes. So great point. Yeah, it depends on depends on the meeting you come from. Yeah, um, I got I got I don't know I got I got some issues with them. I think I I like the idea of them. I absolutely do because I think there's something worth noting about formalizing the effort that you as an individual contributor added to the pile. You know, I, I heard this phrase one time that it was uh, you know. Uh, when you leave somewhere, leave more firewood in the pile than you used. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I really think that there is um, – and, and maybe maybe that's the millennial in me. God damn it. I hate myself for saying that. But maybe maybe there's something to that where it's like I like to see the thing that I did and I like to see the contribution I made and I like to see it valued by others. Um, I don't know if that's humanity or if that's just me or if that's my age bracket or whatever. But I, I think that that's important. I think the problem is – that we usually talk about performance reviews two weeks before they're due. Yes. And, and, and that's the first conversation. The second conversation's like the morning of the day that they're due. And then the third one is, is the actual review when you and your managers not along say, yeah, okay, that works fine. Um, uh, and everybody agrees. They're like, well, I know it doesn't really work, but you know, we just gotta kind of make it work. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it's funny. One of the guys that, that talked at the Cornerstone Converge conference last week, um, had a, a spiel about, uh, it was about being agile. And it was actually they it was they opened the floor for Q and A and I actually stood up and asked a question, and because um, his thing was you know like performance reviews they don't work because everything changes okay everything checks out so far makes sense so you just got to have constant conversations all the time checking in chatting just lose the formality blah 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 it's like okay well that that kind of works except for how do you measure performance when you lose all sense of formality mm. you know like how mm -hmm. it just goes away and it becomes subjective um, even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, subjective. Subjective. Yeah. But 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 can't you measure on a smaller scale, right? Like we, we, when you think about like the annual performance review, which a ton of companies do that, right? Um, yeah. It was created back in the 50s. GE created it. I mean, they, that's what they did, right? They put these people into a scale and then they, they made sure everybody was in the, you know, 70% or 60% or in the threes. And then we, you know, had a good oh, just on a curve. Just, just on a okay. curve. Right, but yeah, like, yeah. wouldn't you want feedback as an employee on a more regular basis? Then wait a sec. You did something in January, and the only time we're going to talk about it is maybe at your mid-year. If we do a mid-year at our company, or I'm going to wait all the way to the end of the year, December, possibly January, depending upon the cycle, and then we'll talk about the thing you did a year ago. Wait, mm. okay. So there's two thoughts I have on that. Mm -hmm. First, the 
I always struggled with you can only have a certain percentage exceeds, a certain percentage meets, a certain percentage below. Um, that always kind of drove me crazy, honestly, because I'm like, if these people, how, if I had two or three people doing exceeds and you're only telling me I can give it to one, I, I, I have a hard, I used to have a really hard time with that. Um, and, um, we used to do it as a department of about 50 people with four or five different managers. And we were only allowed to have a total of three of a certain range out of those 50 people. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was always tough, you know, because you're like sitting here going, wait, but you know, based on these goals, they really did. But again, it was subjective. So it was hard to do. Um, and then the second thought on that too is if it's set up right and if you have strong leaders and if you have strong managers running it, then yeah, you're already talking about in January. You're already ta you're talking yeah. about those great things throughout the year. So when annual comes, that conversation is so easy or, you know, or a, it's, it's obvious. Um, and I just, I don't think sometimes as leaders, we, we focus on that enough. And that's why it becomes even bigger struggle at the end of the performance for you is, well, what did I do? Yeah. I think, I think one of the big issues is just kind of the nature of what we do. It's it, like you said a few minutes ago, Cynthia, it's, it's rather subjective. Uh, and, and I had a thought, you know, I was, I was reading an article on LinkedIn by one Matilda reader today, and it was about the quantity of materials produced compared to the quality of materials produced. And I was wondering, well, what, like, if we were to exclusively take on projects as an L&D organization that directly tie to a measurable, like, like, manager, you bring me a goddamn measurable I will improve it. If you come to me and say, you know, I'd ROI. like to do customer yep. service training. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, great. Uh, how are you measuring it? You know, and I just like there's I've found that there's not we don't we don't measure enough stuff. And, you know, well, who wants to take that? We don't have time to measure it. Bullshit. Bullshit. If you have time to count the beans at the end of the day, you, you have time to measure it at the start of the day. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, so I, it, it really, it really drives me nuts. The fact that uh, if, if we, if we put out and actually I made this suggestion recently um, through the course of this year at some point, and it was, it was well received, but the problem is it wasn't well implemented. I, I had a blanket uh, or a very, very candid conversation um, with, uh, with, with somebody in my reporting structure. I said, Hey, listen, I have this idea where, cause you know, we have kind of this micro learning thing that we do sometimes. And, you know, I've tried my hand at it seems to go pretty well. And, and I said, if any manager comes to us with a, a metric, we will help them like a measurable problem. We will not even question. Do we have capacity? We will commit to helping them. Um, and then the first two suggestions I have did not have measurable, uh, <laughs> are the, the first two, like, well, what about this and that? I'm like, okay, that's good. But, um, <laughs> it kind of ignores the whole point of this. Uh, but, but yeah, that's, I think that that is something that, and of course it wouldn't fly, right? It wouldn't fly. You can't just run a world on, 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 on rationale and logic. 
I think that's a very important part, but at some point, consideration's got to be taken in for, for other things. I kind of run heavier on the logic side, but I can appreciate people's feelings sometimes. You know what I mean? You know so that's... it's not... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's not, it's not all, it can't be all one or the other, but I really feel like we need to have more pushback on clients when they come in and they say, you know, I really want to have this. Well, great. Um, just bring me your measurements and then we'll go from there. So one of the most memorable. Not like 36, you know, 28, 38, not those yeah. sort of. <laughs> so one of the most um, me memorable projects I worked on and still to this day I keep on my resume because it's something I'm really proud of. Um, You've been dusting is, that off lately? Yeah. Is, <laughs> um, <laughs> soon as I can figure out how we're supposed to spell principal, it'll be good. Um, <laughs> um, so one of the things is, is the business did come to us and they were having issues with error rates. Right in reading um, uh, proof of income, reading proof of income, and so we worked with them, and they wanted the error rate to obviously decrease, correct, and become even better. And so we created a whole class, we created assessments, etc., and we were able to measure it within 60, 90 days, and the error rate went down by like major percentage beautiful i, I beautiful. forget how much but that's one of the projects that i'm most proud of is because you know the business came to us and we seriously improved it it wasn't like we we're just training new higher class someone is like playing ping pong um and and you know it's one of those memorable ones. It wasn't new hire. It wasn't just a leadership class. It wasn't these things, but it was something where we actually improved the business. And that was something where I was like, yeah, that's where we do deserve the meets or the exceeds expectations because we showed those numbers. You did more yeah. than just well, training. Okay, so going. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say you did more than just training. I mean, yeah. you, you improved the numbers, right? You took the next step, right? So it, it exceeds because you had the verifiable result yeah absolutely and that's when i was like yeah i want to put this in my annual review yeah where right now that, honestly i feel like i just list everything i do because i don't necessarily always understand what the goal is trying to say related to my job so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I wrote that. so so here's a couple of things that liz was talking about and, and, and I, i'm curious of what you guys think about this the first was they take up expensive staff. Well, hang on, Jack. What's what's your take on performance oh. reviews? You can't just call, waltz in here and start throwing questions out there. What do you got? No, you know. So to to be honest with you, I, I think they're a complete waste of time. Um, I, for for multiple reasons, I think there's multiple levels that are a waste of time. I feel that if you're not talking with somebody on a recent, a regular basis, your manager, if you're not getting that consistent mm -hmm. feedback, then that's a problem. And I feel like that if that communication and we're waiting, or a lot of managers, and you see it across organizations, they wait for six months to say, hey, you're doing a shitty job or you're doing a great job. You should be having much more conversations on that. I think they're- I, I think um, we need to talk more, Adam. Okay. I think you're, <laughs> you're, you're talking off. Um, I think they're, they're a ton of time that takes away from the business when we can be having small incremental conversations as we go. I also think they're, they're really unfair, right? So- why I say that yep. too is if you're going to put people and calibrate them, hey, you had a job, here was your goal, you exceeded your goal, then you get exceeds. Not 
that yeah. person exceeded their goal more, that was the goal. So then that's a problem with the goal setting part. That goes back to yeah. how do you set the goals for them? And then, you know, ultimately, I think people are a really, really bad judge of performance, right? Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. in jobs yeah. that like ours where you have to think and yeah, we don't measure everything. So if you measure something, great, you win, right? How much did yeah. you move the business? But there's so much that's, training and things that we do that we don't. That's yeah. where competencies lot, the, are important. That's why competencies, competencies? are important. Yes. Where Yeah, but how do you how, okay, how do you measure that though? Well, from a, a subjective standpoint, so when we were at HSBC, our whole learning and development staff had competencies written out and back then what like what we were talking about in the podcast last week how pretty much you had to be a little bit of everything as a trainer right mm-hmm. in learning development mm-hmm. you had to know some instructional design you had to know my project management you had to learn consulting uh you had to understand uh tech certain technology you had to understand the, how to present how to train how to facilitate and we had So if you had the competency of, let's just say, training, right, we had that competency written out for what does it look like to be a to do training as an entry level. And there were like 10 to 12 bullet points of they need to be doing these things as an entry level trainer for Mm -hmm. training uh, as a fully qualified trainer. When it looks to training, they should be doing all of the all of the what the entry level trainer is doing. And on top of now what these fully fully qualified people are doing. And then they had the training. This is what a seasoned trainer looks like. And so as you were doing those things, we were able to look specifically and say, all right, so Joe Schmo here is an entry-level trainer. Is he performing all of these in the training aspect of an entry-level? Yes. Is he doing about 50% of what's in fully qualified? And we would look at that, and we had about 10 different competencies of, of of each of those and labeled out. And that's how we determined, you know, um, a with performance reviews, but that's also how we determined: are they ready to move to fully qualified? Are they ready to move to seasoned? Yeah. Um, and it helps so much with with promotions. It helps so much with um, explaining to people and making them better aware of where they're at and why they aren't at the next level yet. Um, and we also provided them resources of where to go to develop themselves. And then it also helped us with the performance reviews of, okay, they're a fully seasoned trainer, a fully qualified trainer. Are they doing these things to meet the expectations of our goals? I still think there's a lot of subjective bias into that. And I think there's a lot of recency bias into there, which I'm not saying recency bias is a bad thing. I actually look at it as a positive thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But how do you sell that? Well, because, okay, look, so if, if back in January you sucked, you did horrible, but, you know, yeah. this last quarter you've turned over to the new yeah. leaf and you're doing phenomenal, well, it's kind of what have you done for me lately? I don't really give a shit what you did in January if it's December. I care about but what you're about, doing now and where we're going and where yeah, we're going to rush it for 10 months. And then, it's yeah. about consistency throughout the whole year, yeah. crushing it throughout yeah. the year. Yeah, I kind of look at it a little bit more of, 
that you're you, you know what are you doing for you lately what are you um, doing I don't for me that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was gonna say what are you doing lately? talk about that <laughs> gibbs what you been up to lately what are you, doing <laughs> you for been me? bringing it or what <laughs> yes good gravy no, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't think uh, I, it's, I remember back in the day when I was training to be a, a grown up at Staples as a manager there. And uh, we went through kind of performance review writing. And, uh, I, you know, it's something that I take seriously because it is currently and, you know, s- still the only real way that we can formalize somebody's uh, yef- efforts across the year. Um, but they they kind of steered us away from recency bias because it's a bias. Um, I don't know if that's... <laughs> well, everyone gets I, can't, so I can't remember pissy. if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... <laughs> well, everyone so, gets so pissy about it at the end of the yeah. year. No the, one's the, happy the with the reviews. Review. No one's happy yeah. because it takes a lot of time. And so, so what's interesting is companies like GE, Deloitte, they've, they've gotten rid of performance reviews in, in, in GE was one of the ones that started performance reviews. They've got rid of them. They do small check-ins. What they they replace it with? They check-ins. They do check-ins throughout the year, all year long. They they also decoupled the performance review process to just raises, right? So they look at salaries and different places at salaries. So it's not just oh, you got a good review, you get a raise, a bigger raise. They've decoupled that and focus it more on the performance and the performance of the employee and what they're doing in the compensation part is a separate conversation well they got to be tied i mean competition should be performed to otherwise like a meritocracy seems like a really good idea to me yes you know otherwise you might be in a union not just at that one annual performance review Right, so it, it looks at a, a lot more check-ins, a lot more time that's actually talked. And I'm not saying uh, yes. I think overall, over the course of a year, there's going to be more communication with the manager. Yeah, but it's less at that one point. So, would you prefer like quarterly raises and no bonus? Interesting. Could be. Or I think could you well, would you prefer I think like it could be looked mid-year- at throughout the year? Mid-year, would you prefer like mid-year raise and end-of-year raise, like bi-monthly and no bonus, but then your raises could be bigger? Could be. Hmm. Yeah, but but isn't the uh, aren't the corporate overlords a little bit more um, excited about bonuses because you can sure. either contract or expand the bonus pool? Yeah, bonuses. The bonus is always a lot easier to to add or drop off because yeah. then you can they, then it's you know I can give you a twenty percent bonus, but if business tanks next year, then it's a lot lower, right? Yeah. Um, but you know I, I think at the end of the day, it's more check-ins with the employee to let them know more instant feedback to pivot those goals when they're needed to also talk and get rid of the recency bias because we're talking about the projects that are relevant now. And if there's an issue or something that we're seeing that you're not doing good on, we have a conversation to improve it versus waiting and saying, well, you know, January really sucked. You've been doing better now. And now you're a two and you can't really improve that. Like, you know, I I think the reasons that the uh, performance review system stands and has been so persistent is because I think there's two big things that are pushing against that. One is the, uh, the, the lack of most humans ability to have a performance management conversation. Mm 
Yes. Mm-hmm. No one wants to do that. Um, especially they don't want to do it early. So they're like, oh, shit, I'm not going to do it. And then they never do it. But it should um, be part the- of your one-on-one conversations. Bingo. Yeah. Which is happening right now. So how's Gibbs doing? <laughs> so Gibbs, let's uh-huh. talk about some of those meetings that we talked about. Oh my gosh, all day today. Think, let's I start with our eight so, o'clock. And yes. <laughs> well, and and I think the other part is for I think it's it's kind of pushing back from the um, the, the the corporate side of things because you have if. If we're looking at this as a perfect world, managers are going to be able to spend time to document, to measure, to vet, to uh, communicate with their employees on a regular basis. And it sounds like you guys are in a lot of meetings these days. I've heard a lot of the same stuff at my shop right now. Um, so we need to somehow flatten the hierarchy, reduce the amount of time that everybody has for all the other all important problems that they're working on. And what, you know, what falls off the end of the shelf, your, your time with your employees, one-on-ones, they go out mm-hmm. the window very freaking quickly. And then it becomes a, well, put it on my calendar. If you, if you think you need, if you think you need one, just yeah, put it on my calendar. Um, and the calendar's already booked. So I think that there's the compression from the corporate side of things. And I think there's the human element where people don't want to actually have a real conversation. Well, and I think it goes to that book we're reading, we're starting to read where, Mm -hmm. um, where it talks about the way the modern work world works now is move fast and change and innovate and just, you know, get it done. And yeah. because of that, I don't think necessarily the whole slow down focus on, you know, your, your people and performance management, it, it, it's got to look different now because everything's moving so quickly. Yeah. Um, and that's why I don't, I'm not sure it works anymore. The whole performance management process is because that's not how... Um, how the world is running at this time. Yeah. Well, and maybe there'll be a swing because I saw, I think I can't remember where I saw it, but there was an article I saw today about a collect, a collection of Silicon Valley leaders and all that garbage where they were getting together. And instead of, um, instead of committing to the fiduciary's responsibility, they had to their shareholders, they were saying, well, it's going to be, you know, uh, societal good, employees are our focus, and our customers are our focus. So they were actually bumping their shareholders several notches down the priority list, which is interesting. I'm not sure if it's a good idea. Uh, it feels good. It absolutely feels good. I mean, macaroni and cheese is a comfort food. It's also garbage to eat. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I, I don't, like I, I don't know, cheese. I don't know where this falls yet. I, we're going to find out. But there's some serious people out there that are kind of approaching it from a different perspective. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a, pen, maybe it's a corporate pendulum swinging back the other way a little bit. Now, uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. So, so in a wrap up here. So you know, we talked a lot about uh, the performance review. So I, I, I did want to swing back to what Liz talked about. Her five reasons they waste. They're a waste of time. One is she put they take up expensive staff hours for no observable gain. Right? It takes hours. You guys are doing them. The managers doing them. We're calibrating. We're redoing them. I love doing them. And then next year we do it all over again. And then at the end of the day, did we really see an performance improvement? Right? Because if we do it in a different manner, I could actually see performance improvement. Right? If I was talking to you about the project you're currently on. 
then we could improve versus waiting the whole year. So that was her first one. Her second one is, is this the, just uh, is the whole recency bias because we can't remember past last week. <laughs> I think so. I think it is recency there. Yeah. Right? Sounds like someone needs a field notes notebook. And because Ooh. we don't know how to write. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and take notes because um, yeah. we're on our phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she goes through a couple more. The perfor- purpose is unclear. They're unfair. Uh, they're insulting. And finally, um, tell me more about this insulting part. I need right. to understand that. Okay, so she basically says that um, they submit the bad old idea that when someone is your supervisor, they sit on a higher plane than you do. That's ridiculous. And, and she says a supervisor in today's knowledge economy is an orchest- orchestral conductor. The conductor keeps the orchestra together, but doesn't presume to tell the musicians how to play their instruments. So I'm insulted by the word supervisor. Ooh. What? What's happening right now? What, but, are you are you a millennial now? When did this no, happen? I mean, I'm just like that's such. A, I feel like that's such an archaic word, like calling an administrative assistant a secretary. Well, unless they're a secretary, is that, right? a, okay. is that a position? Secretary? Not no more. That's offensive. Why? That's been offensive Ooh. since like the early 2000s. You're thinking of missionary? Yeah. No, secretary. Um, oh. but. I, I guess, I mean, it's all about the relationship you build. I mean, I don't find you being my manager and giving me a performance review as insulting. But he supervises you. Like, what's what's the difference? Well, that's always questionable. <laughs> you guys do a little rogue sometimes and do what you what it is. Okay, so it's more of but, a. But you okay, know, it's like here. I don't see how it comes across as insulting and authoritative if you've built a good relationship with that person. But you got to remember, um, you know, there's not every manager is as good. Um, so there's a lot <laughs> oh, out there oh, that you know we'll oh, use boy. that as the I, only time to really give constructive feedback. Be- well, no, I mean, there's a lot of people that won't give feedback, right? Right. Yeah. Giving feedback is is hard, right? I mean, to to go to someone and say hey, you're really not doing a good job. That's a hard conversation for a lot of people, and a lot of managers get into that, and then they won't do that, and then. Yeah. They'll wait till oh, I'm going to give them the feedback, and I'm going to I'm going to Oreo method it, right? Hey, you're doing really good here. Yeah, that wasn't as good, but you know we're really working forward. Here's your three. Well, Oreo. I've heard. I think I've heard a different term for that. Oreo. Yeah, it's the Oreo the sandwich method, right? Like you 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 lay around. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it called a shit sandwich. <laughs> Pretty much. Have you guys um, not heard it called that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh well. Okay. There you go. I'm I, trying to be politically correct, but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of managers will do that shit. first, just address the issue, and when it comes out in performance reviews, the same thing happens. They'll they're ta- they'll hide the bad to give them the needs to just get through it, versus actually focusing on the outcome, which the outcome should be that we get better at the things we're struggling with or weren't doing good at and we move up to the next level. And that's where I, I think gives you hit that nail head the competency model comes in. What are the competencies? Not just the goals, what are the competencies that you need to have that we're going to measure you against? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, you know, again, I'm all about, you know, you working towards the company's goals, but it has to almost cascade. No, not you, but an employee. But it has to cascade down where there's sort of layers of that larger goal. And then so that matches what 
what your department is doing to cascade it up and you know instead mm-hmm. of just an overall go uh like you know, i'll never forget we used to have this one at hsbc and it was we had to meet these diversity numbers mm-hmm. and it was like how in the heck am i supposed to reach diversity numbers on my team when i have no control and this is when i was a seasoned trainer when i have no control over who i hire right yeah and it was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's always very difficult. So, but yeah, so, you know, in a nutshell, I check out the article. I check out what GM's, uh, GE is doing. I think there's some really good things against them. I'm in the thick of it right now. And I can tell you that performance reviews are the bane of my existence more because I, not because I don't want to talk with you guys. It's more because of the writing and the time it goes writing into things that we're not even doing anymore. So it's great that you did it in February, but that is something that we're never going to do again or January and even March. I'm focused on, you know, kind of the future there and and different things. So, or even more so when the goal does make, makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. What is this goal? How does it relate to me? (laughs) I think part of it's a pacing issue though, too. Cause I mean, if you leave it all for the last minute, it's going to feel like a lot at the last minute. Right. Well, and I think that that's another whole point is, again, running fast. I mean, back in the day, we used to have several where we would get pretty much almost three weeks to write them. And then we had another two weeks to calibrate and all this other stuff. Now it's like you got to get it all done. Like, I think our self-evaluation had to be done in like a week. Yeah. How long was yours, Mm -hmm. Dad? Do you guys follow the same process? Uh, yeah, we do. And actually today, I um, I think two days ago, I did my half of my performance review. And then today I got to redo the part that I didn't do the other day <laughs> because uh, it's my first time doing it. And in this new system, uh, my it's my first year at Morgard and it, it didn't uh, it, it wasn't apparent what I should be doing. So I was just kind of following the prompts and the big button at the bottom of the screen uh, where I put in a lot of my stuff said submit. And I thought, oh, well, that, what a great button, because I just did all these things. This feels like the right button. Were there you doing the group... audio notes? <laughs> no, I didn't use audio notes. <laughs> um, but then beside it was a gray, seemingly inactive button that said save and continue to, like, the next of three modules. Uh, so I submitted a portion of it and um, got to got to resubmit it today, and I got to review it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I really... I spend time on it because what I try to do as an employee, you know, because I wrote enough of them as a manager, what I try to do as an employee is make it the easiest job possible for my my supervisor um, so that if they wanted to copy and paste, they could do that. I want to provide them as much <laughs> ammunition for giving me good enough marks that I can be happy at the end of the day, you know, and I'll throw them a bone. I'll put in like a, an area where maybe I'm a touch below terrific, but, um, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm laughing. Uh, Gibbs, what did I tell you to do the other day? He told me, he said, uh, what did you say? You spend serious time on it. <laughs> right. And I was <laughs> like, crud. <laughs> the same the- principle Dan applies backwards to It's like, if you spend a lot of time on this, it makes my job a little bit easier. So yeah. Gives, gives yeah. So I probably well. spent, it, it probably took me about three and a half hours with 
constantly getting interrupted by things. But yeah, it took me like three and a half to four hours. Um, you know, but I mean, well, it's it's kind of funny because the big joke is, oh, I'm just waiting for Joe to write his so I can cut and paste from his and change it, change <laughs> it to him to her. Um, <laughs> one one of the reasons that I spend so much time on it, you know, I I do I genuinely want to make it easier for my manager because if I want them to fight for me to get a a raise or a a good performance review, or if I want to be one of the two people in the entire company that gets and exceeds, mm-hmm. I want to give them the easiest arguments to make for that. So I try to give them as much ammunition as I can, but also there's really based on the archaic system that it is, and and they all are. There's nothing else that's in the organization that formalizes the contributions that I have made throughout the year. So if I want my boss's boss or, uh, God forbid, even her boss to somehow get a hold of my record and see what I've contributed, I want it to be pretty freaking crystal clear what sort of contributor I am. You know, so I uh, I do spend a lot of lo- a lot of love, a lot of TLC uh, making sure that it's it's done. I used and to. And I don't use speech to text. <laughs> I used to. It, you used to? Mm-hmm. Now you're old and jaded? Is that what this is? Yeah. And, I, yeah. I, I, did I, this I sneak in to... stuff, so if, if if my immediate manager is actually listening, he can... Uh, I sneak in stuff, and, and it, it was, I, I sneak in like random things that are, I think are funny into it just to see if they're reading. <laughs> <laughs> what, like puns or something yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, I stuck in an article i stuck in a couple things on there just to see yeah. i just want to see i just want to see if it's going to come up and uh and then i know i i will i will tell you this when i was a manager and i wrote my employees i definitely made sure i spent a lot of time on theirs on my yeah. own no not so, really but on theirs i would always make sure that i really gave them gave them thought and you know wrote a lot of things absolutely well if you guys got an extra hour dan can you ramp up that speech to text program and uh gibbs let's yeah. talk about your performance review now and we'll just <laughs> knock this thing out there for the next hour get and it we'll out of the way put it to bed there you go hey speaking of putting stuff to bed uh apologies to matt damon we were going to talk about joe uh joe burton's book the uh creating mindful leaders uh, i both did myself for a second and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Both me and, and Gibbs, uh, I, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a free copy. Uh, Gibbs had to pay real hard and hard and earned cash for hers, but uh, we're uh, we're going to be reviewing that and hopefully talking a little bit about it next week. If you want to uh, check out the show notes from this, which uh, Adam, I'm confident you're going to send me along that link to Liz Ryan's article. Um, so you can find the link to that on mosby.ca slash 009. And also, please send us an email. Let us know like, what app you're listening to, uh, you know, where you're finding it, all that sort of stuff. Uh, mosbylearning at gmail.com. Please let us know where you're picking this thing up at. Uh, Adam, how do you want people to get a hold of you if, if they were so inclined? Uh, just Adam Costix at LinkedIn.com. Is that an email? I think it does. It sounds like no, an email. No, 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 hold on. Let's start that over again. Uh, it's adamcostics <laughs> at gmail.com, or you can find oh, okay. adamcostics at gmail.com. I'm not giving away my personal email. That's cool. <laughs> you can have my personal email. It's fine. You, you do can, you. You can find it on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy to hack. It's just my name That's true. at gmail. That's true. Yes. Uh, Gibbs, how about you? Uh, same thing. It's just Cynthia Gibbs. Um, yeah. 
QBs. But you can find QBs. it. You can find it on LinkedIn. But no, I think you have a pretty small emails, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get enough of those. <laughs> Well, you do have a nice smile. All right. Uh, and yeah, you can look me up on uh, LinkedIn. H-I-R-T is how you spell my last name. And uh, if if uh, if you're so inclined, you know, tell a friend. Let them know about the podcast. Uh, let us know if you think it's good. Uh, this is also going to have... Uh, thank you, Adam. <laughs> There's music uh, you probably hear underneath us right now. And that's provided by Incompetech.com by uh, Kevin McLeod there. So we must go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening to us, and we'll talk to you again next week. And and you know what? You were more than welcome to review the notes and add to them I invited you to four days ago. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. What's happening?